Welcome, everyone, to episode 35 of the DC Comics News Podcast. I'm Brad, your host for the episode, and with me, uh, the faithful friends, uh, Kelly Gaines. Say hi. Hello. And Steve Ray J. Steve, say hi. Greetings. All right. All right, guys, so let's just jump right into the news here. We got uh, some information that the Joker is going to be uh, premiering next month at the uh, Venice Film Festival, which is kind of exciting. Uh, I know that's kind of interesting for me because like, I'm really uh, interested in what people are going to say once they see it. You know, the first reactions that come out, I'm really, really excited to hear what people have to think. Uh, Steve, what about you? I'm very excited. Um, it's a fairly big film festival. I mean, I know it's not Cannes, but it's a very artistic festival. And this has always been um, sold as a film that isn't going to be a typical run-of-the-mill everyday comic book movie. It's touted as a darker film, a more art house film, a more independent feeling kind of film. So I think it's a very clever place to uh, to launch the film. But it's also just what you said, the fact that people will now start talking about it. We will hear all the comments, be they good or bad. But I've just got a real buzz for this movie the more I see about it. And the fact that Todd Phillips has been so active on social media since the beginning. Um, leads me to think that he's taking the material seriously. He's not treating it like throwaway pop culture entertainment. He wants to tell a story of a man who's gone crazy. And yeah, that may upset a lot of comic book fans, but I don't think I'll be one of them unless everything about the film's bad. But with that leading man, I don't see it. I'm actually really, really looking forward to it. W- what about you, Kelly? How do you see this uh, this news? I'm really excited about it. I think, uh, again, it's really cool that a festival like Venice is even having it there. Um, I mean, I I feel like decades ago, a superhero movie premiering at a film festival that's known for kind of more artistic pieces would be unheard of. So it's the fact that it's the Joker and he's going to be presented in that kind of way I like. Um, I am interested to see where they go in the film itself, because we don't have a lot of of uh, information about what's actually going to happen in the movie apart from that you know he goes crazy there's obviously clown makeup involved um from what we've seen promotion wise it looks like a whole lot of him dancing around crazily um so i'm i'm excited to hear what other details we get to know about you know about the type of actual story that we're going to see you know because i i don't think i've really seen anything of him interacting with other characters all that much or any kind of promotions about the actual plot. So I think once people have seen it and there's that kind of buzz going on, we'll find out a little bit more information. Yeah, I, you're, you're so right about the... It's interesting seeing a superhero movie debut at a film festival. I think it really shows that the studio believes in the movie. So that's going to be... Yeah, I think that's, that's a very good indicator that it's going to be pretty damn good. And we also, speaking of the Joker, we also got some new high-res images uh, from both Todd Phillips and Warner Brothers. Uh, so, Kelly, what did you think about these new uh, these new images? Images. They all look fantastic. Um, although I did start to feel as though this is the kind of same image we're seeing in different ways, where we, I, th- I think everything we've seen is either directly involved with that clown makeup or it's. You know, like I said before, he's kind of thrashing around wildly. Like, if you look at some of the stills, 
it almost looks like it's a musical, which obviously, I mean, I, I hope, and it's, there's no way it's a musical, but like Please that, God, no. <laughs> that, that demon is officially in the back of my head now, but, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really like what I'm seeing so far, but I do hope that we're going to get a little bit more after the film festival, um, you know, on the grounds that we've been seeing how good he looks in the makeup and we've been seeing how, you know, almost physical the role seems to be because he's thrashing around and running around places. Um, I'm excited. And as long as those are not actual indications that you're going to be watching The Joker Does Chicago or West Side Story, then I'm fine. I go loony like a light bulb battered bird. Um, oh, no, please, we do not need... Oh, oh, Kelly, you're scaring me. You actually put me in my bonnet now, I'm and sorry. I'm just going to see the, the, the hills of Gotham are alive with a sound of madness. Oh, no. <laughs> please take me out of this fresh hell. Um, <laughs> no, um... You're, you're right, it does look like he's dancing. Uh, please let it just be him going bonkers. I need to get the musical thing out of my mind before I go out of my mind. Brad, save us, please. <laughs> yeah, I, I do agree with Kelly that in, that in the sense that these look like images we've seen before. I want to get a more of a sense of what the story is, but I'm just so curious about this movie. I'm you know, craving every little crumb that they throw down. Uh, and these pictures are good to look at, but I just want, I just want a little more. So that's my take on that. And stepping away from Joker, uh, we know we're getting a Red Sun movie, but it, we also learned that we are getting two more animated movies uh, this year. Uh, we're getting Apocalypse War, which is a follow-up to the Justice League Dark animated movies. So that should be uh, very interesting. And we're also getting a standalone Superman story, uh, Man of Tomorrow, which is not based, I guess, on any on any previous comic. So, Kelly, what do you think about this? I always have so much faith in the animated movies. I mean, DC and Warner Brothers does an amazing job with animated features most of the time. And I actually really enjoyed the first Justice League Dark movie. It's one that I've actually seen a couple of times. And, you know, it's, it's a good ride. It's a well-told story. Um, you know, I wouldn't say it's imperfect, but if they're doing a follow-up that's as, as kind of well-crafted as the first movie, then I'm excited for it. Um, and as far as there being a standalone Superman movie, I, I like the standalone part. That's good. Anything, anything they make at this point that stands alone and isn't supposed to hinge on other halves and other characters making revenue to go towards it is definitely a step in the right direction. So I'm happy about that. Um, there is a part of me that's a little, like, really, we need... A, two more Supermans that's, but I, I mean fine it's animated they do a wonderful job and I, I'd be excited to see where they're going to go with that what do you think Steve? That's actually really interesting because the thing that, that stood out for me is that next year three movies two of them Superman no Batman now usually I'd be jumping up and down in rage at this but I'm actually excited because this year has been a Batman fest Joker fest it obviously Clearly, for understandable reasons, it's the character's 80th anniversary. But the fact that we're getting a brand new Justice League Dark movie, uh, my favourite comic book, one of my favourite animated films of recent years, um, is getting a sequel, and Matt Ryan's coming back as Constantine and everything goes with it. And then you see the word apocalypse and everything that entails. Um, bring it on. 
we talked about Red Sun last week, one of my favourite Elseworlds tales, but a brand new, fresh, original Superman animated movie. Okay, it's not Batman, but I'm actually quite happy about this. Maybe taking the focus off the Dark Knight for a bit is a good thing because DC does have the original superhero in Superman and maybe he he deserves a bit more of his time in the sun as well. So I'm actually quite happy. Uh, I didn't think I would be at no new Batman movies, but hey, we had a few this year. Um, We recently had Hush. Um, I don't actually want to talk about that. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I'm actually quite happy about this. What do you think, Brad? Yeah, I I definitely agree. I think that if the Superman standalone uh, is successful, then I will bet you any amount of money that Batman's going to get his own as well. So I think that we would have that to look forward to. And these generally these DC movies are all so well received and always so well done that it's almost guaranteed that they're going to be a success. So I would not be surprised if we see a Batman standalone. And I'm with you, Steve. I love the Justice League Dark comic. So to see more of it in any form, I'm, I'm down. And I really like the original uh, the original animated Justice League yeah. Dark movie as well. So having a follow-up to that, I think we're getting the best of all possible worlds since we're not getting a new Batman movie. It's the best next thing. And uh, moving right along, uh, some sad news uh, this week as Rutger Hauer passes away. Uh, he he was in Batman Begins, so he has a tie to the uh, to the DC world. Uh, so I mean, it was definitely tragic. Everybody's been sharing the video of his uh, Blade Runner speech. Uh, so Kelly, why, what do you think about this? I it's very sad news. I mean, 75. I know it's it's not young, young, but it still feels young, in you know, in our day and age. And he was a fantastic actor. I've loved him in everything that I've seen him in. Um, you know, and he really was a credit to Batman Begins. Even if he wasn't a major major role, he still did a fantastic job and really helped bring that world to life. So he's definitely going to be missed. Um, what do you think, Steve? Uh, obviously, being of a slightly more advanced years than yourself Kelly I I felt this one quite a lot because Blade Runner could actually be my all-time favorite film but it's not just that he was actually a really quirky clever actor his crazy films like Hitcher and uh, Hobo with a Shotgun and uh, the fantasy the fact that he did a, a fantasy movie years decades before Lord of the Rings and Lady Hawk um I'm really upset that whole speech at the end of Blade Runner uh, not a lot of people know that the actual line all those memories will be lost washed away like tears in rain was an ad lib it wasn't scripted that came directly from the man himself and when he appeared again in Batman Begins I thought oh great one of my favorite actors getting uh, uh, his time in the sun in, in a film about my favorite comics book character and you're right 75 when you compare it to the, the recent loss of, of, of the, the actor who played Pa Kent in um, Lois and Clark in his mid-80s, that, again, still far too soon. But one grandchild, he looked great in Batman Begins. He looked like he hadn't aged aged a day. And I'm feeling this one. I'm feeling this one quite a bit. Um, just, again, our love, best wishes, condolences to, to everyone that knew him. And everyone that worked it, worked with him, really. Uh, Brad, what did you think? Yeah, I think that, you know, you, you're right about the 75. It, it's young in a way. So it definitely came as kind of a shock 
you know, he hadn't, I didn't realize he had been sick. I didn't, you know, so it was, uh, yeah, it was definitely a shock and what a loss. And that it, it's such an amazing speech to be able to ad lib too. just that quick is just, just an amazing, what a it's talent. It's classic cinema, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And he definitely, definitely will be missed. And something we've talked about on this podcast before is up next. We talked about the Justice League cut, uh, the Snyder Justice League cut. And now we're hearing that the page on Wikipedia for the Snyder cut may be getting deleted by Wikipedia. Uh, the reasons they give is that it is, what did they say? It's too niche, hyper niche and biased. So, Kelly, what do you think about that? I, of course, when I saw it, I, I went and looked for the Wikipedia page to read it. Um, you know, because if anything a Wikipedia page says is news, then obviously there's some good stuff in there. Um, it, it was an interesting read. There are a lot of just kind of thrown out ideas of what, you know, what he would have done differently, what sequels would have been included. Um, you know, and oddly, I actually am less excited to see a Snyder cut after reading it on the grounds that yes a lot of what it seems like he was going to include would have helped the plot along a little bit but then making the movie longer doesn't do a whole lot if you're also introducing three more main characters um you know because one of the main problems with Justice League was that we didn't feel as if we knew the characters we didn't feel as if they had enough screen time to really feel connected to them so even if we're looking at a you know three plus hour movie, if it also has another three characters, then it's yeah. You know, I, I had my I had my I would say reservations. And um, oddly enough, I saw a note that Mark Wahlberg was being considered for Hal Jordan. That would be very interesting. He, he's been good in some things, but there's always a little part of me that just sees yeah. the, that music video from the '90s. Right. Um, which not that that's totally anti Hal Jordan, but you know, it's I. I think it would be in the best interest of the Justice League franchise as a whole to leave the page up, on the grounds that fans can then kind of go and see what details they would have liked, what wouldn't they have liked. Um, and it's Wikipedia. Everyone gets their information from Wikipedia, even if we kind of know that it's not always accurate. So, I yeah, it's. I mean, I would say leave it up. What do you think, Steve? Beware my power, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Um, <laughs> no. The thing is with Wikipedia, I did actually follow that page for a while because, again, I'm a huge um, Zack Snyder fan. And I do think that his vision was literally just thrown away without seeing fruition. But um, the thing is with Wikipedia is if you allow people to contribute, and this guy has done a lot of work, while a lot of stuff was conjecture and hearsay and whatever else, there's a hell of a lot of real research on there and quotes from Snyder and links and sources and everything else. And people are interested. People are reading it. I'd love to see the hits to that page, even more so after that it's been announced. Um, listen, if it's not doing any harm, it's not raising any ire, it's not causing any issues, uh, why take it down? Um, isn't that taking away free speech? Isn't that stopping someone having a valid opinion none of it's hateful or inflammatory like some of the stuff i see every day on twitter so i don't know uh conflicted uh doubtful the film will ever see by today we talked about this last week but listen there's a lot of research there the guy's gone to a lot of hard work to make that page and that entry 
why take it down? What do you think, Brad? Yeah, I think that there's definitely valuable information there. Uh, I, I do think it, I, I say leave it up. I think it serves the public interest. I think it would draw traffic. And I, I would be, you know, I agree. I would want to see what the numbers are, especially after this article comes out. So I think they should, uh, they should definitely keep it up. In fact, I'll probably come back and check it as regularly as I can now, as long as they maintain it and keep it up. So yeah, I definitely say keep it up. And with that, we are going to take a little bit of a break to place some ads and pay the bills. So stick around. We'll be right back. This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News, here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. Hey there, everybody. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News. Are you planning on heading to Wizard World Comic Con sometime this year? Well, we have a great deal for you. If you are planning to do so, you can get 10% off your ticket purchase by using the code DCNEWS at checkout. That's D-C-N-E-W-S at checkout to save 10% off your tickets for Wizard World. And that's for any city that, uh, that they will be doing. So make sure you head over to www.wizardworld.com tickets and use the code DCNEWS for 10% off. Back to you guys. And we are back. We're moving on now to the TV and streaming news, and there is a lot of it. Uh, we did just see the trailer for the Harley Quinn animated series that is coming to DC Universe, uh, so everybody was kind of excited to see that. And we also had the voice cast uh, say that they called the show progressive and feminist. So, Kelly, what did you think of the uh, the trailer and what the cast is saying? I really liked the trailer. I mean, it looks like it's going to be the perfect tone of a show for Harley. Um, it looks like it's a little bit silly, a little bit uh, kind of adult, definitely. There's some profanity, but I, I'm excited. I think it looks good. And as far as the cast saying that, you know, it's a very progressive, more feminist show, um, you know, I, I think that's fantastic for Harley as a character because... For whatever reason, she's kind of become this, I would say, pop culture, almost deity in a sense where everyone, whether they're fans of comic books or not, fans of Batman or not, they know who Harley Quinn is. Uh, you know, people like dressing up as her. They like having Harley Quinn merchandise. She was the biggest push behind the Suicide Squad. Um, so I think it's a good idea to kind of refine her narrative a little bit and get it away from some of those more, you know, fetishizing abuse roots that she had. You know, and especially with the fact that we're trying to bring in a more diverse crowd of readers to comics, Harley is really one of those kind of 
goalposts of female characters. She's even if someone's never picked up a comic book, they might have dressed like her for Halloween. So if we can put a Harley out there that is working, you know, working more for herself, doing things of her own accord and not attach the Joker and portray her that way, it might get rid of some of those negative impressions of, oh, I'm crazy and he's crazy. So we're just like Harley Quinn and the like that is that drives me insane, like absolutely insane. So I'm really hoping this is as feminist as they're saying. What do you think, Steve? Here, here. Absolutely. Um, I could not agree more. Spot on. I mean, the fact that the two ladies interviewed, um, Kaylee Cuoco and her co-star plays Poison Ivy, and they were both so passionate and really visibly involved in this show. And the fact that the trailer shows... I'm not condoning violence of any type, but the trailer shows Harley really sticking it to the Joker because I'm just like you, Kelly. That relationship's toxic. I hate it. It's evil. And the fact that people are grabbing onto it and liking it and even like seeing it as something great, it's not. Joker's treatment of Harley Quinn is awful. It's evil. And the fact that she's finally stepping away from him on screen the way she did in the comics over a decade ago it's about time and to hear these two talented actors saying it's a feminist show but in a good way um oh man i love the idea of a harley show that's very grown up but yet wickedly funny and that's what i'm seeing in this trailer so i'm yeah loving it really rooting for it and what did you think brad yeah absolutely i think harley's a much better character when she's not the victim and i think the the versions of her that are not are the versions that make her such an iconic character that so many people respond to and love is when she's not the victim. You know, hopefully we can, you know, as the character keeps evolving, we can put that whole Joker relationship behind her and have it not be, I mean, I know it's a a central part to her origin story, but not necessarily such a important part of the character's identity. So, yeah, I think I think it's a good thing. And uh, I'm pretty psyched for this animated series. Her escaping being a victim should be celebrated, not the fact that she was one. And the fact that she's come out of that relationship and is a strong woman, stronger than ever and almost on the way to becoming a hero. That's what should be celebrated about Harley Quinn, because that's what I love about her. Yes, absolutely. really took on a life of her own. Like that's uh, you hear about characters taking on a life of their own. But Harley Quinn is maybe the best example of a character. Not even, I don't, I don't even know if you can say it was the fans so much as just Harley had so much life in her that she went way beyond the animated show and into, you know, now having her own standalone movies, her own series. It's, it's fantastic to see. So I'm hoping this version of Harley kind of corrects so many of those mistakes. DC has the strongest female characters and she could lead the brigade because of her strength, not because of the fact that she was ever the Joker's girlfriend. That should be left in the past. Like you said, Brad, a valid part of her origin, but that's not what defines her. The escaping Mm -hmm. of becoming her own woman. And like you said, Kelly, she originally appeared as a character in a couple of episodes of the animated series, and she's gone on to do incredible things. Her current series is brilliant, the comic show, uh, the comic strip, and I'm hoping the TV show does really, really well as well. And speaking of... Uh, DC animated shows. We also got word that DC Universe has renewed Young Justice Outsiders, uh, which is good news for fans. Uh, it's it's such a cult hit, so I think fans are going to be really happy that they're going to get more of it. Uh, Kelly, what did you think? 
I, I think it's fantastic. DC Universe seems to be knocking it out of the park across, you know, across the board with their shows. Um, and I know how devastating the kind of breaks between the Young Justice narrative have been for fans. So I'm I'm excited to hear that it's renewed. I'm excited that we're going to see more of that story and more of that kind of line of characters. Uh, what do you think, Steve? I'm actually dancing around my living room doing a little happy dance of that news because how many years was it between season two and Young Justice Outsiders? Now, Young Justice Outsiders isn't even finished and we're told we're getting a fourth season. yippee ki I am happy. That's all I have to say. Yes, more Young Justice, yeah. please. More deep, interesting teens written well, acted brilliantly. Brad? Right. And I, I think it definitely shows just how good the show was because those fans stuck around for so long and craved that new season for so long. And they're finally getting it and they're getting a lot more content. So I think that that's, that's just a great thing. And continuing on with the TV news, uh, we learned that Robert Redford, of all people, is coming out of retirement to be in The Watchmen. And that's not all. He is going to be playing the president. He's going to be playing himself as the president in the new Watchmen series. Kelly, what did you think? I'm glad you worded it like that, because that brief article was a wild ride from start to finish. <laughs> I mean, I, I, great Robert Redford's coming out of retirement. Great. Um, he's going to be playing the president. And then it's, I mean, it's a weird choice. It's definitely odd. I'm not sure. I, I mean, what... What is almost humbling is the fact that is it really that odd to think that Robert Redford could be president in an alternate timeline of our world? I mean, we <laughs> already had an actor president. We have a reality star president right now. I think it says a lot about the U.S. as a country. We, we play it pretty fast and loose with that. But, um, yeah, it's a weird choice. I will not knock it until I've seen it. What do you think, Steve? Now, you see, this shows how many times I've actually read Watchmen. This is actually from a line in the original comic, because obviously you know that in the Watchmen graphic novel, uh, Nixon stays president, um, Watergate didn't happen, uh, America win the Vietnam War, and, and the timeline diverges from our own. So obviously in that timeline, um, Rob, Ronald Reagan doesn't become president. And um, it's, it's mentioned um, who'd want a cowboy actor in the White House? Um, that's that's something. And then in Watchmen itself, in the comic, um, it does mention oh, um, Redford um, going for president in eighty whatever it was. So um, I actually think that's genius. And this also brings to light, Brad, something we were talking about a few weeks ago that this is going to expand on the original Watchmen and tell what happens after the faux alien invasion and after Adrian Veidt's plan comes to fruition. So clever. Um, I think that uh, the, the, the Back to the Future tie, and that's where they said who wants a cowboy actor in the White House, and the fact that Watchmen itself does mention Robert Redford running for president is very, very cleverly done. What do you think, Brad? Yeah, I think I think that it's very much a coup for them to be able to get Robert Redford to do that because that little detail from the comic, I love that kind of stuff. So the, the, that little Easter egg there is great. Um, yeah, it's just... It gives me hope uh, on this show that it is going to at least feel like a Watchmen show, you know, because a lot of the characters aren't going to be in it or can't be in it. So with the trailer 
And this news, I think it's definitely going to feel like The Watchmen, which uh, just thrills me to to no end. And something that's going to thrill fans of Lucifer, uh, the show's fifth season, although it might be the last, it's going to be longer than people thought. Uh, instead of uh, 10 episodes, we're going to be getting uh, 16 episodes for the final season on Netflix. Uh, Kelly, what did you think? I think it's fantastic. I mean, if they need another six episodes to tell the story correctly and to do it in a way that does justice to the original work, I think that's a really good idea. Um, you know, and it's funny that that's the final season, but another six episodes is almost the amount of episodes they would need to have another two seasons. So if they need 16, they need 16. It's good that they have the kind of leeway to add that in if they have to. Um, Steve, what do you think? Have you got that image of, of a grown man dancing around his living room out of your head yet? Because it's back. <laughs> nope. Uh, <laughs> yes. Again, I am very, very happy because I do think if you've seen Lucifer from the start, the uh, when they brought the show back on Netflix and, and that 10 episode season was just outstanding to me. The most recent season of Lucifer is the best in the show's history. The fact that they've got so much belief in it and they want to send it off properly that they're adding another six so they can tell the story they want to tell. I want angel wings to fly around my house and sing, and, and uh, that's happy, happy news. Um, maybe now that he is king of hell, residing over everything he should be he does realize and will reciprocate the feelings that detective Decker has for him because at the end of the last season, she actually came out and said it. And I just want this to happen. Um, the whole will they, won't they thing that's part of TV canon from shows from moonlighting to Lois and Clark to everything else. Um, I want the devil to get his due. Pardon the pun. Brad, what did you think? <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd like to see them have the ability to stretch out and tell uh, a big story with six more episodes. And I'm kind of hoping there's some huge big arc that can't be told in 10 episodes. It's so epic that they needed 16. You know, like I said, I don't want to see the, see the show go, but I'll take 16 over 10 any day. Yes. And moving on to the world of the Arrowverse, uh, the... Sizzle Reel Reel that they showed at San Diego Comic-Con is now online. It shows a lot of highlights from the past seven seasons and a little hint of what we have in store for season eight, which is going to be, unfortunately, Arrow's final season. Uh, Kelly, what do you think? That Sizzle Reel, Sizzle, it it did exactly (laughs) what it was supposed to do um, in terms of I have not seen a lot of Arrow, and now I really, really want to. Um, One of the things that stood out to me the most, though, is there's that brief clip where it looks like actual Robin Hood, like long hair out firing flaming arrows Robin Hood. Um, And I know, and we're going to talk about this later, but that's some time travel and dimension hopping is is coming up. So I I think at this point I might have to just bite the bullet and binge all of Arrow. But yeah, it looks fantastic. It looks so incredibly well made. And that builds up to the end of a series fantastically. What did you think, Steve? I think you're going to fall in love with this show if you do decide to binge watch it. Because a lot of that long hair firing arrows into the pyre bits from the first season, from when he was stuck on the Anu on the island. And what's got me just as excited is watching back and thinking, wow, I remember that. Wow, I remember that. Wow, I remember that. And now I want to go back and re-watch all of Arrow before the final season starts. 
because I've got a feeling they're going to tie up a lot of loose ends, put some things together. And the snippets we see of the new stuff, uh, Katie Cassidy looking more Black Canary than ever with a short hairstyle. The return of Josh Segarra, who to me as um, Prometheus was an awesome up there with Manu Bennett as Deathstroke as the best Arrow villain ever. Um, this final season is going to be 10 episodes of, of amazing TV, I think. I'm sad and excited. It's a bittersweet feeling. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. Brad, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think that it's definitely going to go out with uh, with a pretty big bang uh, over the next uh, 10 episodes, for sure. And I think you're dead on with your hints about what they're showing about this next season. So I, I do. I think we're in for some uh, some really great TV during that final season for sure. And we also got some uh, casting news about the final season of Arrow. Uh, Charlie Barnett has been cast as uh, John Diggle Jr. I I do like Charlie Barnett's acting. I, I did see him on, uh, I believe he was on Russian Doll, a Netflix show that if you haven't seen it, check it out. I did enjoy his performance on that, and he's been in uh, Chicago Fire, Secrets and Lies as well, so he definitely has some some good roles. And uh, yeah, I think he, I think he'll do a good job. Kelly, what do you think? Yeah, I have I have no objections to the casting. You know, he he strikes me as a very good actor, um, and it's it'll be interesting to see kind of that role of the not necessarily alternate son, but essentially the the alternate son. Um, you know, and again, this is, I haven't seen a ton of Flash either, so this is one of those things where I'm like, all right, I, I'm interested now. After reading the role he's going to play and how, you know, that's going to actually interact with his, I believe it was his brother and sister, who aren't really his brother and sister. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually much more interested now. What do you think, Steve? They sold the character really well, I think, in the most recent season of Arrow, where, um, John's other son is trying to do right and trying to follow on and be a hero like his father and was even like a future Green Arrow and he called himself Connor Hawk after um, Oliver Queen's son from the comics. But they sold his brother as being a, a, an underworld leader, like a, a being a, a top of a chain of an underworld gang and, and crime, crime syndicate. So, yeah, I'm really intrigued. What I've seen of him, he's a really good actor, young, young talent, and good casting to bring an underworld darker side of the Diggle family to the fore. Maybe that whole thing of Diggle brothers, one being good, one being evil, is a story that will repeat itself throughout time. So, yeah, I'm quite quite intrigued by this one. What about you, Brad? Yeah, I, uh, I'm intrigued about the story uh, as well. And uh, it, I have to catch up a little bit on the show so that's giving me a lot of incentive to get caught up uh, as quickly as i can so i guess that's definitely a good sign that i uh, <laughs> that i'm excited about that <laughs> and we also got another bit of good news from dc titans we uh, learned that the premiere date for the second season is going to be on september 6th and it's good to have some good news out of uh, the world of titans as we're still, you know, mourning the passing of Warren Appleby, who was who was killed on the set, well, I think that that's some good news. I'm glad we're going to get to hear about, you know, and see what we have in store for us. Because I know that on this podcast we've talked a lot about it because there's been lots of rumors and you know casting announcements. So I'm excited to get to see that sooner than I thought. Kelly, what do you think? I, every time I see excitement about 
Titans, I kind of flash back to before the show came out when everyone was being so disparaging about it. And it's, yeah. I mean, what what a what a misfire because the show is amazing. It's so well done. I'm very very happy that we're going to be season seeing season two. Um, and unfortunately, Warren Appleby's passing is terribly tragic. Um, you know, to especially to pass away doing the thing that you love to do, working on a project that you're passionate about is very, very unfortunate. But my, my hope would be that Titans 2 is even better than season one and is a really good, um, you know, kind of a, a good homage to Appleby and his passing. What do you think, Steve? Well said. Very, very well said. Yeah, I think that everyone working on the show is going to actually probably going to be putting in more effort um, because of tragedy and the fact that we actually got a date now, literally in a week's time, we can say, hey, guys, Titan season two is on next month. Uh, that is crazy. And we've talked about it on and on and on. DC Universe um, hasn't let us down from Young Justice to Titans to Doom Patrol to Swamp Thing with the upcoming Harley Quinn, the upcoming Stargirl. I am just so excited about everything they bring out because it's just been pure 100 percent quality. And like you said, Kelly, I actually do think season two of Titans could be even better than season one. So I'm very excited. What about you, Brad? Yeah, I, I agree with both of you guys in that uh, that this could be a very great season. Yeah, and I can't wait to see. You know, we like you said, we've talked about this so much on this podcast. So it's going to be great to see what of our little predictions and you know things like that have come to fruition over this next season so i can't wait and i'm glad that we don't have to wait that long i i wouldn't have been surprised if it was sometime in 2020 that we got the second season yeah, but it's too. only at this point it's only a matter of weeks away so yeah definitely definitely excited about that and something else that i'm excited about is that doom patrol another dc universe show has been renewed for season two and it's been renewed through a deal with hbo max which everybody knows is that new warner brothers streaming service that's debuting debuting later in the year i was happy to hear this because we need more doom patrol in our lives and it shows that warner brothers definitely believes in the show and that's good to see so hopefully we'll be in for you know season three season four uh as time goes on Kelly, what do you think? I know a lot of people were, were kind of biting their nails that there wasn't an announcement of Doom Patrol being renewed for season two. So this is very good news. Um, and there, there's a small part of me that wonders, how is it that DC Universe has gotten everything so right and yet the movies can't seem to get it together? I mean, it's every single show has been so well done, so creatively put together. And even when they change details, it still manages to be true to the books and true to the characters. You know, and I'm, I'm very glad that Doom Patrol is going to be continuing. And it's I, I'm still a little confused on the, the HBO Max deal and this whole extra service and whatnot. But, I mean, as, as long as the people who have been fans of Doom Patrol and want to see Doom Patrol have access to it, then this is all fantastic news. What do you think, Steve? You're so 100% on fire tonight, Kelly. Yeah, totally. All of us were saying... When Doom Patrol, when, when, when are we hearing? I want news. Please tell me Doom Patrol's coming back because I love something and sort of times, as I said, but if I could pick, if I had to pick one favorite show from DC Universe, Doom Patrol would be it because it's just unlike anything else on television. And to finally get this news 
makes me breathe a sigh of relief because I, I was actually really worrying about the future of the DC Universe out for a while. And I love what you said about how come they're getting everything so right when the movies didn't. That's actually a really good point. <laughs> Possibly because they're letting the creators create. They're letting the story writers tell their stories. They're not interfering. They're not being hand-fisted and listening to what some fans who do not deserve the title are saying. Um, because, like you said, when Titans first launched, all there was was negative, 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 negative. And then people said, well, watch the damn show first. The show came on and shut up 99% of its critics. So maybe this is just a lesson that let the writers, directors, actors, producers do what they're paid to do, and you'll get quality on the screen. That That's, I think, the only way I can describe it. What, what, what do you think, Brad? Yeah, it's always fun to watch trolls have to eat their words for us to show up because yeah i mean you're right everybody was not yeah i mean there was just so much complaining on the internet before the show debuted and then as soon as it hit first episode quiet i'm glad that dc is getting these shows right i had such high hopes for them and so far like i said none of them have disappointed they've all been they've all been really good uh so yeah more doom patrol i'm all for it yeah, we got some word from The Flash, moving on, uh, that Senthil Ramamurthy, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, is cast to play the villain Bloodwork on uh, season six. I'm happy to see that. I liked him in Heroes, uh, and I like Bloodwork from the comics, so I'm kind of excited to see that character brought to life. And I think that we've talked rumors about this character being the villain, and so it's kind of nice to get that confirmation now. Kelly, what do you think? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed him in Heroes, and I, I, again, admittedly have not seen a ton of Flash, but I am familiar with Bloodwork, so I think that is a really interesting villain to use, but definitely, you know, again, as long as they write it with the same quality and the same kind of eye towards being true to the comics, and then also developing it in a way that is really visually and for the show exciting, I, I think it's a, a good choice. I don't have anything against it uh steve what do you think uh i'm always happy to see a talented british actor get more work but also um after the debacle that was cicada in the last season um i just want to see a strong villain played by a decent actor and the one thing i am concerned about is though um blood work in the comics is a uh let's say deep and dark character and his look is unique. I'm really wondering how they're going to pull this off with a CW budget, because even though I love King Shark versus uh, Gorilla Grodd, um, the CGI in these shows is <laughs> lacking. So I, I don't know how they're going to pull off the look. If they tone it down and make it more like they brilliantly did with Ragdoll, and maybe just he's less of a monster less of a clay face type look it might work better but the actual casting and the actor and the fact they're bringing in that character has got me happy uh, what about you brad yeah i'm glad you brought up the look of the character because i was kind of thinking the same thing but maybe i'm more optimistic and i thought even so even if as you said steve that the cgi is lacking 
it's still better than it was years ago, and it was probably better than it was even a year ago. So even if they have to do CGI, and they probably will for blood work, I think that it'll look maybe better than we're expecting it to. So uh, fingers <laughs> fingers crossed on that I, I should shut up, actually. I've got no reason <laughs> to complain because I'm a fan of classic Star Trek and classic Doctor Who, which had cardboard sets made out of cereal cartons and, <laughs> yeah. and rubber monsters. And, hey, um, remember Swamp Thing 1982? So maybe yeah. I should actually <laughs> have a bit more space. <laughs> you're right, Brad, you're right. <laughs> And speaking of The Flash, we also learned that Carlos uh, Valdez, who plays Cisco, a fan favorite character, is not leaving. So we'll get more of Cisco in this next season, which I'm happy about because he was always one of my favorite characters. So I'm glad he's going to be sticking around. I think he brings a lot to the show. It's good to see him uh, sticking around. Kelly, what do you think? I always kind of enjoy it when fans speculate something and then the actor comes forward and is like, what are you talking about? I'm not leaving. Because it seems like his leaving the show was all purely based off the speculation. And so to see the actor come back and go, you you know, no, I'm staying. I will still be here. I'm still going to be working with this character. Um, it's, It's kind of funny. And it's also really great to see that a fan favorite actor and a fan favorite character is going to continue the role in the show. You know, so yeah, it's I'm I'm glad he's staying on. I'm glad he was able to set that record straight for us. Uh, Steve, what do you think? Um, I'm going to need to get some builders around my house because of the hole I've made in the floor from all the happy dad dancing that I've been doing this <laughs> evening, recording this podcast. Um, yeah, there's now a massive dent where it looks like a, a the boulder that chased Indiana Jones through the Incan temple has landed in the middle of my living room. Um, (laughs) Great news. I love Cisco. I love Vibe. I love Carlos Valdez. I was distraught, actually, when they said that he was leaving because he's one of the Arabus OGs. He's there from from the very beginning when Flash started. And the whole trio of Flash, Caitlin, Cisco, to me, was the backbone of the show. And I didn't really want him to go. I mean, the one problem Flash has got is it arguably has too many characters um, and it's not a team show like Legends of Tomorrow. It, it needs more of a core character. So I thought he was leaving because they've made Hartley Sawyer, um, Ralph Dibby, a, a recurring proper guest, proper actor on, on the next season that's coming. So I'm just worried again that he's just going to appear sporadically and be underused like he was in the last season. That's what worries me. But the fact he's staying makes me very, very happy because I'm a fan. Uh, what about you, Brad? Yeah, even if they underuse him, at least we'll have more Cisco. So I hope I, I'm with you. I hope that they don't underuse him, but it's just good in the end that he is uh, he's coming back. I think that, like you said, he's the backbone, one of the backbones, an original an original cast member that that did bring just so much i more than just comedy relief uh you know he was he was a character that a lot of people related to and really enjoyed so i'm glad we don't have to say goodbye to him he was us wasn't he he's our like our voice on the show i mean every nerdy comment he'd make every reference to star trek and comic books and whatever else and i'm just so glad he's back yeah yeah, definitely. I mean, characters like that are there so that you can see yourselves 
in them. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely right. I think if he was to go, the show would be seriously missing something. And moving on to Supergirl uh, news, we recently got a picture of her new super suit uh, that's looking pretty, uh, pretty tactical, if uh, I guess if I want to use a word. Uh, it's, it definitely looks more combat action ready than the classic costume, even though it has a lot of the same flares of the classic. I think it's a very cool, uh, it's a very cool look. Kelly, what do you think? I, I really like this costume, and I, I am a fan of the classic Supergirl look with the skirt and whatnot, but this is a very grown-up costume, it looks like. it seems, And it makes sense to me that if the character is growing and developing, that their look would, too. Um, you know, as she gets into more kind of complex situations, it makes more sense for her to have a suit that looks a little bit more like armor. And actually, it looked to be really similar to the Superwoman suit used used in Rebirth in one of the early, early issues of Superwoman Rebirth. Um, it was, I don't remember, I don't have it on hand, but it looks almost exactly the same. But in any case, I really like the suit. I think it looks cool. It looks like something, you know, at the very least, people are definitely going to cosplay wearing that. Although the one thing I will say is that when I first opened that picture, for a split second, I thought I was looking at Taylor Swift. I, I guess it's the haircut, but I was... Yeah, the haircut <laughs> threw me off, too. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but, but, no, no, that's not. I For, like, half a second, I thought my day was ruined. But, yeah, I'm a fan of the suit. What do you think, Steve? I think that now you said that, I'll, I want to look at that image and just shake it off. No, stop it. <laughs> uh, behave yourself. Um, <laughs> uh, thank you for the other thing. I said... This costume isn't totally new. I've seen this costume. It looks familiar. Spot on. It's Superwoman. Brilliant. Yes, you're absolutely right. And, yeah, she looks grown up. This isn't a Supergirl anymore uh, with the fringe, with the full-on suit. It looks more like armor, the look on her face. This is a Supergirl to be reckoned with. And I think that please let there be more Luther in this season. The fact that uh, Eve Tessmacher is going to be a series regular now, on the new season hopefully means we're going to get more john cryer because he is the man as luther i love it and this is finally a villain worthy of Kara. because the one thing i think that's been lacking in in supergirl is a really strong big bad a really strong nemesis uh, and who's better than luther and john cryer's version is outstanding i love the costume i love the look the first half of the last season of supergirl was a bit slow for me but the second half killed it i'm really looking forward to seeing more and the new cast members seem quite interesting as well what do you think brad yes uh i do like the new costume and you're right this it is superwoman that's i didn't even think about that until you guys brought it up and then yeah you're right uh that's that was a good a good route to go and yeah uh the casting is pretty interesting too and i do hope that we get more john crier as luther i do i do think that he is the villain that can be the big bad that that she deserves really to be worthy of fighting her really so yeah we we learned that andrea rojas speaking of casting julie gonzalo will be playing andrea rojas (laughs) a.k.a. Arcada, uh, who is a polished businesswoman and heir to a Central American tech empire and is, will be making a hostile advance into the world of media. So that could be that could be interesting. And Stars Nair will play a hardened reporter, William Day, an original character created for the series. So uh, 
that's some interesting new characters that we have coming to Supergirl. Uh, Kelly, what do you think about that casting? I unfortunately am not very familiar with any of those actors. But again, if if I have no basis on which to complain, I am going to support it. It's, you know, until we see them do it, we don't know what they're going to do. So my, my hope is that they will all actually fit into the roles really well. And it's interesting that they're having, you know, an original character for the show. It's sometimes not a good route, but as we've seen, you know, Harley Quinn being the perfect example, sometimes you create a character for a show and they take on an entire life of their own. So we may not know much about that character yet, but I, I'm optimistic. I'm choosing to be optimistic. How about you, Steve? Well, Stasnay has been in um, Game of Thrones, and they have not got a single weak actor in that cast. So, yep, happy with that one. As for Julie Gonzalo, um, I- I'm going to actually reveal a guilty pleasure of mine, and I don't care if you judge me or not, really. Uh, but she was one of the stars when they brought back Dallas a few years back. She played one of the Ewing brothers' um, spouses, and she's a very, very good actress. When you get people who can act in a show uh, with characters that you love, I just applaud that. Yeah, so I watched Alice. I'm not just going to blame it on the Wi-Fi, because I grew up with the original as a kid. I remember when they shot JR and everything else with it. So if you don't like that, um, I'm happy with the casting. So, Brad, what did you think? Yeah, yeah, I think think both of these characters are very interested in seeing what their role is in the grand scheme of things as the season unfolds. Uh, I think those descriptions definitely could have some very cool plot twists, you know, so... I'm looking forward to that. And moving on, also, though, in the Arrowverse world, we're learning that Burt Ward, uh, who, as we all know, played Robin in the 66 Batman series, will be in the Crisis on Infinite Earths Arrow crossover this fall. Kelly, what do you have to think about that? That makes me so happy. I, I, I actually don't know that... I'm familiar with anything else he's done, but I remember as a kid watching the Batman 66 and it was at that point, it had already been out for a very long time, but I love the show. I love Adam West for one. And it's very unfortunate that he's gone. And there's a small part of me that's like, would Adam West have been in it too, if he were still around? But in any case, I'm really excited. And yeah, it's my hope would be that whatever character he ends up playing is, I, I almost kind of hope it's campy. I, I hope it's a nod back to his his role as Robin. What do you think, Steve? Holy incredible casting, Batman! <laughs> um, I'm actually now in a sewer because I've fallen through the floor in my living room, and I'm trying to climb back up because of the dancing is now just wrecked the entire building I live in. Um, <laughs> but he's back. Holy macaroni. I am so happy. And the fact you said, would Adam West have been in there too? I hope they find a way to work it in. Now you've said that, I really hope they find a way to work Adam West in because I don't know if you guys ever saw the short-lived but incredibly funny uh, Powerless sitcom, the first comedy set in the DC universe. Yeah, it was pretty underrated. Very underrated. And when Adam West appeared in that, oh, I was just dying. It was fantastic. So, um, yeah, happy, 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 happy. Brad? 
I just hope that he plays a larger role. I hope it's not just like a throwaway cameo. I, I would totally agree that it would be fun if it was campy. I just don't want it to be too small. Uh, I'd like to see. Uh, I'd like to see as much of him as possible. I think that would be quite a treat. I mean, he's such a he's such an icon, especially especially in the Comic Con world because he does do a lot of cons. So I think that uh, I just hope he's not wasted. I hope he's in it for a, a bigger role. One of the most beloved actors on the con circuit. He just comes yeah. across as a lovely, yeah. lovely man. And we also learned this week that Katie Cassidy Rogers will be directing an episode this season of Arrow, which is uh, very cool. She's been in the show for a long time now, so she knows how she knows how everything works. And I think that she would be a, a very good choice to direct an episode. And also it looks like Melissa uh, Benoist will be directing an episode of Supergirl as well as Katie Lotz will do the same on Legends of Tomorrow. Kelly, what do you think about this? I always like it when an actor from a show gets to direct an episode. Um, I know Jensen Ackles did it for Supernatural and did a great job. And there's a bunch of other shows that aren't coming to mind right now that it happens. I think that actors are able to give a very personal perspective when they end up directing an episode because they know it from a different angle and they know it from the standpoint of the character that they play. It almost gives you this opportunity to see, I wouldn't know if, I I don't know if I would call it seeing it from that character's perspective, but it's seeing it from a mind that has really, really thought about a specific character and where they stand. Um, You know, so I, I think it's a really good idea and I hope she does amazingly, Steve. You took the words right out of my mouth. The CW is really good at getting actors on the other side of the camera. Like I said, in, in Supernatural, which funnily enough is where I first saw Katie Cassidy. She was uh, in Supernatural before she went on to Arrow, which is one of the reasons I was looking forward to watching Arrow and seeing her cast as, uh, as Laurel. Most recently, Danielle Panabaker did a brilliant job directing an episode of Flash last season. So bring it on if these guys are as talented directors as they are actors and they will be brilliant directors in in terms of getting performances from their colleagues because they'll be working with friends they'll be working with a team that knows them inside and out i think it can only be a good thing and the fact that katie lots is going to step up too, melissa's going to step up too, more power to them brilliant i'm really happy about that what did you make of it brad I always I'm with Kelly. I always like it when somebody who acts on the show gets to step in and direct Uh, because they are so used to being in front of the cameras. I think that their perspective and getting behind the cameras uh, is definitely, definitely welcome. So I uh, I'm excited to see what she does as a director. And hopefully, you know, that maybe will lead her to direct more episodes. Maybe she can even jump off to other Arrowverse shows since Arrow is ending, but she could step in and direct some Legends of Tomorrow. So who knows? It could be uh, the start of something really cool. Uh, in moving on, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, the multi, uh, the multi-part crossover this year for the Arrowverse show, we learned that Stephen Amell will be playing multiple versions of Oliver Queen in the crossover. Uh, Kelly, what do you think about that? I I mean, it, it makes sense that it would be Oliver Queen, but there's a small part of me that's almost picturing um, 
like the, those old sketches where someone is putting on a costume, doing one thing on one side, and then running over to the other side and answering themselves in a different costume. I know that's not how it's going to be done, but it's I'm endlessly amused picturing him just kind of switching hats and running back and forth. Um, but yeah, that's it sounds like exciting news, um, and I would be excited to see where he goes with it. Steve? I may end up in Australia. <laughs> I'm, do you know what the first thing I thought of when I heard that Stephen Amell is going to be playing multiple versions of Oliver Queen? Are we finally going to see an Oliver Queen with a Robin Hood hat with a feather in it and the goatee? I want to see the Robin Hood hat and the goatee. I want to see boxing arrow yeah. gloves. I want a boxing glove ar- arrows. I want to see exploding arrows. I want to see tripwire arrows. I want to see all the good stuff. And, and if Burt Ward is the guy that makes his trick arrows for the goatee-toting Oliver Queen, then I am the happiest man on earth right now. Brad, save me uh, from myself, please. <laughs> it kind of just blew my mind a little bit. I would absolutely love to see the Robin Hood hat. And the goatee. Uh, I, uh, I hope they do that. Thank um, you. I'm not alone. <laughs> no, it's a great idea. Uh, and I and I do agree with Kelly that it seems like it seems like fitting for a story like Crisis. That that it, you know it doesn't surprise me that he would be playing different versions of the character. But I do wonder, you know, like what what are those different types? Uh, I think that they could do a lot with that. But man, yeah, now I'm just hoping for the Robin Hood hat and the uh, and the goatee. For sure. <laughs> and we also learned about the upcoming Batwoman that we will learn the character's origin story in the series. Uh, Kelly, what do you think about that? I, I mean, oddly enough, and I, I know I've said this in previous episodes, but it's one of those things that almost feels like not news to me because it's like, duh, we would learn about her origin story. How are we going to build a show if the, the viewer doesn't know who the character is? Um, so I'm glad they checked that box. I am still very, very excited to see Ruby Rose in this role. I love Batwoman. I love her backstory. So I, I'm excited. And yeah, I guess I'm glad that they confirmed they're doing the thing that I had really hoped they were going to do. Um, Steve? Brad and I talk a lot about Batwoman Elegy, the introductory uh, Batwoman tales when she got her own standalone stories uh, initially in detective comics then in her own um, ongoing book and the fact as soon as they cast alice i knew we would be getting a look at the real batwoman that i absolutely adore a character like you said kelly that is become rapidly one of my favorites and we've already seen uh with the new birds of prey movie the, the birds of prey comic books back Please let this mean we're going to get a Batwoman comic book back. Ruby Rose has breathed new life into the character. Again, she suffered a hell of a lot from trolls and idiots online when she was first cast. And she's just shutting them all up. And I love that. Um, I'm excited for the final season of Arrow. But honestly, the one thing I want to see more than anything else when the Arrowverse shows come back, is the new Batwoman series. Brad, you've you got to feel similar, right? Yes, yes. I I do bring up Elegy a lot, and I think that everybody needs to read it. And I was also very thrilled when I heard that they were casting Alice, because I thought, okay, then that's probably the story we're going to get, and I do love that story. But I do think that we do need an origin story as well. 
And, you know, when, you, when you're telling a superhero origin story through a movie, it can, it can be a burden because you, it costs a lot of real estate to be able to tell that story within the movie when you're only working with like a two-hour time frame. But when you're talking a TV series, you got episode after episode, so you can really stretch out that origin and tell it and tell it right and not have it feel rushed. Uh, I do think it's necessary, That's but yeah, cool. I'm getting yeah, I'm getting more and more excited for this this show as we get closer to it. Okay, so we are going to pause for another ad and pay some bills. Uh, we will be right back. Hey there, everybody. This is Josh Rayner, editor in chief of DC Comics News. Are you planning on heading to Wizard World Comic Con sometime this year? Well, we have a great deal for you. If you are planning to do so, you can get 10% off your ticket purchase by using the code DCNEWS at checkout. That's D-C-N-E-W-S at checkout to save 10% off your tickets for Wizard World. And that's for any city that, uh, that they will be doing. So make sure you head over to www.wizardworld.com tickets and use the code DCNEWS for 10% off. Back to you guys. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Now we are moving on to what brings us all here, what what co- created DC Comics. Uh, we are going to the comics news. Uh, up first, uh, writer Jonathan Hickman has said at a San Diego Comic-Con panel that he has always wanted to write DC's Teen Titans. Kelly, what do you think about this? I say let him do it then. I mean, I, I love it when a writer or even an artist comes to a book and they're like, this is a character I've always wanted to do. This is a team I've always wanted to write. Um, you know, and it's something that's personal to them. I think that's how we get the best and most well thought out stories. Also very interesting that he's typically a Marvel writer and, you know, kind of, we, we've seen a, a little bit with uh, James Gunn of the Marvel team jumping ship over to DC. And then, I mean, I guess in, in Gunn's case, jumping back. Um, but I would say if he really is really passionate about that team, then they should let him do that. That'd be fantastic. You know, and actually I, as a whole, the movies for Marvel have always been a little bit better, but the books for DC, I think are are much stronger than Marvel's books. Oh yeah. I by like by far. So my my hope would be that they do that. You know, and yeah, I don't see why not. Let them do it. What do you think, Steve? Exactly what you just said, and Brad and I have talked about this a lot, that, yeah, Marvel movies, you can't deny they're really successful, but comic book-wise, DC are ahead of the game. Having said that, Jonathan Hickman is probably one of Marvel's top writers right now. The work he's been doing has been pretty good. I do read Spider-Man, I do read Avengers, I do read Immortal Hulk, and Jonathan Hickman's had some really good runs on on um, Avengers and he's a good writer and reading the the article he seems to be a massive DC fan which just makes me really happy that there's not this divide amongst creators that they, they have to be either one or the other and the fact that he wants to write a Teen Titans series yeah like you said Kelly give the guy a chance even if it's just a miniseries because right now um, Adam Glass is doing incredible work on that title so I don't want him to go anywhere but, um, yeah, give Jonathan Hickman a chance. I don't think he's in a, in a Marvel-exclusive contract. I would love to see his take of Teen Titans because he can write a team book. That's for sure. So, yeah, brilliant news. W- what did you think, Brad? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what jumped, yeah, I, I love his writing. 
uh, it's very creative and it's one of those he's one of those writers that moves the medium forward how he uses panels and little things that he adds on as a writer exactly uh, I, just, I just i love his work and it's always kind of fascinating to to read his writing and the thing that jumped out to me about this article though is he said that for the marvel books that he wrote fantastic four avengers he never read them as a kid now can you imagine what something that he's a fan of and read what he could do with that uh, yeah I just, exactly like, let him loose and let him go to town and I, I i would love to see what he would have to do with the titans for sure i think that oh man i i, I think that would be a perfect fit for him as well so yeah i i think that that would just be amazing sign me up i'd be there for the midnight sale if they had one so yeah i would love to yeah. see what do with uh, the teen titans and something moving on so to something that we've talked at length about on the podcast is the legion of superheroes um bendis is bringing them back and he went on late night with seth myers and showed some new art and revealed the lineup. Uh, Kelly, what did you uh, what did you think about this? First off, I really enjoy that we're at a point with comics where a late night show will have comics as a topic. You know, I, I would have felt less weird as a kid if I could say like, oh yeah, it's the thing that was on. God, you know, what? actually, I never never really watched late night as a kid. But anyway, it's I, I think that's really exciting. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm glad they're so excited to to kind of promote this title. I like the art that we saw, I believe the last time I was on, um, we were looking at the character designs and actually seeing the team together is very, very exciting. I, I actually think it's going to be a fantastic title. What do you think, Steve? You, you said it all. I would have killed growing up to have comic book creators on late night chat shows when I was growing up but now we're seeing Scott Snyder and Tom King and Brian Bendis on all these shows and, and the hosts of these programs are saying that they're comic book fans and they're saying it proudly and loudly there's not that stigma or ridicule or that bullying and name calling that many of us had growing up for being comic book fans it, it's mass media now it's appreciated and it's loved yes it's brought out a lot of negativity in comics gate and whatever else in the marvel dc war but on the whole seeing that comic books are appreciated and loved by so many people it makes me happy and i really 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 want that piece of art that picture <laughs> is great Double excited. Looking forward to Legion of Superheroes Millennium. Looking forward to Legion of Superheroes. What about you, Brad? Yeah, I, I agree with both of you that it's so good to be at that point now where the geeks have inherited the earth. <laughs> uh, it's really amazing to think yes, that we have. comics are <laughs> such an engine for popular culture right now. The movie that made the most money in history is a superhero movie. There is absolutely no shame and being a comic book fan these days and it is about time so i love the fact that somebody like bendis can can have uh enough exposure to necess necessitate going on to that to that tv show and it's great that those hosts are fans seth meyer said i'm i'm a comic fan uh so it's just yeah, it's just great to see and i i do agree with that art i love the art i'm really looking forward to i i still think i'm looking a little bit forward more to millennium than the legion of superheroes but uh, i'm definitely looking forward <laughs> to both i mean i just that millennium just seems like such a 
a bonkers concept. I, so I'm really looking forward to that. And I wouldn't be surprised that that doesn't really lead me into really wanting the Legion of Superheroes even more. So, yeah, I, uh, I'm looking forward to that for sure. And also, uh, speaking of comic writers, Scott uh, Snyder had a a panel at last week's San Diego Comic-Con where he delved a little bit into uh, his, as the headline says, anxiety-driven stories. Kelly, what do you have to think about this? I, I honestly could probably do a whole episode in and of itself on, on my impressions from this article. Um, it's really fantastic to see a writer that's willing to talk about the personal, you know, kind of the personal struggles and anxieties that go into creating their characters. Um, I also really enjoyed that Neil Gaiman gave him advice that wasn't necessarily helpful advice. I'm sure there was a lot more that went into that story than, you know, the one we saw. But for him to, if, you know, Neil Gaiman told me this this story and it didn't help at all. Like, I, I hope at some point in my life, I'm at a point in my career where Neil Gaiman can tell me a story that doesn't help. Like, that, that would be amazing. Um, but as far as, you know, him talking about how anxious he gets as a writer and how difficult it was to find his footing and kind of that awareness of the fact that making a mistake can destroy your career is amazing to see laid out like that. Um, you know, I know personally when I, in different freelancing gigs, that if I hit a period where I'm very anxious or, you know, just kind of overwhelmed, I tend to not only doubt myself, but also just get into this headspace where it's really hard to write and it's really hard to create anything when you're just, you know, internally a million miles away. Um, so I absolutely respect him even more after reading this. And it's, I, for, for Mr. Gaiman, I'm sorry that your story didn't help him in that one instance, but you know, you tried and that's what's important. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, couldn't agree more. I mean, there's there's a famous phrase, isn't there? Art imitating life. And I think the best writers, you enjoy their work because you see bits of, not necessarily your life, but bits you can identify with, bits you can understand in the writing. And this guy, uh, and Tom King as well, with his CIA background, I think I probably love their books because I can see life in there. The fact that a lot of metal was based on his kids' anxieties and, and the things he says, and I would have loved to attend that panel. And that article, like you said, was inspiring. It was a brilliant article. It is a long one, but I enjoyed reading it. And it's made me more of a fan of a man I already admired as an incredibly talented writer. And this guy, I don't know if you follow Scott Snyder on social media, but he's one of those writers, along with uh, Brian Edward Hill, who gives great advice to fans, to people who want to break into the industry, who isn't just always encouragement, encouragement, encouragement. He tells you what not to do, where you're going wrong. And he's a real voice of positivity and a fantastic ambassador for the industry. And this article and his panel really show that. They highlight that. So, Kudos to Scott Snyder. I, I think you're amazing. I'm going to miss your work on Batman. You're writing your final two stories now. And I've read the new Batman Who Laughs and the second issue of Last Night on Earth. And whew, people talk about Denny O'Neill's and Neil Adams. They talk about Bob Kane and Bill Finger. They talk about Marshall Rogers and Stephen Gohart. They're going to be talking about Scott Snyder's Batman for years and decades to come. So fantastic. What did you think, Brad? 
Yeah, I think one thing that has kept me a fan of comics my entire life is just the fact that the creators, for the most part, you know, minus your Alan Moores and Neil Gaiman's, seem very relatable. And I don't mean that Alan Moore and Neil can't be, but they're on a whole nother level. But there is a certain humanity that they aren't afraid to show just being out in public. And I always really appreciated that. There's not a lot of facade in uh, how writers and comic artists present themselves uh, at cons and things like that. And and this story just proves that. I mean, he was not afraid to talk about his anxiety. I mean, who wouldn't have anxiety working with such a legendary character as Batman? There's so much story and so much history there. I, I, I don't blame him for being nervous about that at all. So, yeah, so I, I, I do uh, appreciate his uh, being so candid about it. And uh, we also learned that Young Justice is going to meet their evil crime syndicate counterparts. Uh, Kelly, what did you think about this? So I admittedly am not caught up with Young Justice, but I, I've always kind of enjoyed comics that have these alternate versions of characters that meet each other. Um, in, a, in a very almost childlike sense of, like I was saying with Oliver Queen, that it's just kind of hilarious to see a different version of someone right next to the original. So I, you know, I don't have anything bad to say about it, but I would definitely have to catch up with more of the actual Young Justice title before I could really get into, is this a good step going forward? What do you think, Steve? I was just having a very interesting conversation with a Tibetan monk who's wandering around some tunnels <laughs> underneath London right now. Um, because this again makes me incredibly happy the whole um earth three and the uh crime syndicate and ultraman and superwoman and johnny quick and uh uh powering i just love that they're our heroes but they're evil to the core and to think that there's a teenage version of these guys that they're running their world now and they're even meaner and more ruthless than their mentors and the the team's name um which obviously is is blotted out in the article for obvious reason the young bleep 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 yes um (laughs) that just just makes me laugh um say what you like about brian bendis on superman um Kelly, I think you'll love what he's doing on Young Justice, particularly as I know you're a fan of Connor Kent um, and his yeah. Superboy and the fact he's brought him back. And the Pick him up. It, they, they're great fun. It's a great read. Yeah, bring it on. I'm looking forward to this one so much. <laughs> what about you, Brad? Yeah, I've always enjoyed the Crime Syndicate characters. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know that we've ever seen younger versions of them. I know that I certainly haven't read any so no, i haven't that, either yeah so i like getting uh kind of getting a view of those characters as as being younger is kind of a cool thing so i hope they kind of explore that a lot uh, you know because i do i think that the crime syndicate has been used in very cool ways to tell stories in dc's past so i'm i'm looking forward to this too and like kelly though i'm not caught up but this is making me want to get caught up too so that I know what's more of what's going on in the actual series, but I, I really like the idea of seeing these these characters again as the crime syndicate. And with that, that wraps up another uh, episode of DC Comics News. And uh, Kelly, where can uh, 
listeners find out more about you? They can find me on Twitter at KelGamesWrite. That's uh, K-E-L-G-A-I-N-E-S-W-R-I-T-E. That is a lot of letters. Um, and doing opinion and editorial pieces for DC Comics News. And Steve, where can they find you? Most of my damage is done across DC Comics News and um, also editor-in-chief on our sister site, the more Batman-related Dark Knight News. You can catch all of that stuff simply just by searching on Google Steve J. Ray. On Twitter, you'll find me at LSteveO, which is E-L underscore S-T-E-E-V-O. And, of course, always appearing on this fine podcast and soon to be on the third show in the DC Comics News, Dark Knight News Network, which we're going to be launching, looking back at Batman the Animated Series, the I Am the Night podcast. Look out for that across the airwaves soon. Yeah, we're all excited about that, for sure. Thanks, man. Yeah, absolutely. And as far as me, you can find me on DC Comics News, writing news and reviews. You can follow me on Twitter at FlickyB1. That's F-I-L-I-C-K-Y-B-1. And as for DC Comics News, uh, we are now on all major podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. So please head on over and subscribe to the podcast and rate and review and tell us what you think. And you can follow us on social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and YouTube. And that is all at DC Comics News. And be sure to check out the Spinnerack, uh, which is also part of our DC News podcast network. And as we like to say on the show every week, read more comics. Have a good week, everyone. Bye.